Fifth Wall Performing Arts presents Black Hearts, Black Voices with stories by Samantha Williams, Matea Williams, and Maya Johnson. Sound designed by Sajeda Domino. Please stay tuned at the end of the show for a special invitation. My name is Matea Williams. My name is Maya Johnson. Hi, I'm Samantha Williams, and my story is about when my cousin and I went on an impromptu Trader Joe's trip. You see, it was June 2020, and COVID-19 was everywhere, but we, unlike the masses, were prepared. You see, my cousin and I had a routine. We got up once a month at 5.30 a.m., wiped the sleep from our eyes, changed from our night sweatpants into our daytime sweatpants, briefly thought about putting on a bra before deciding to simply throw on another sweatshirt, and drove to the grocery store so that we could be the first people in the store to do our monthly grocery shopping. At this early hour, when there was no one else there, we were each equipped with one latex glove on our right hand to touch potentially contaminated objects we might encounter at the grocery store. Our left hands were ungloved. Those were for our phones, so that we wouldn't accidentally cross-contaminate ourselves. It was a perfect system. Until, of course, we had to open up one of those plastic produce bags with one gloved hand. Not gonna lie, that was difficult. But nevertheless, we persisted, decked out in N95 masks when no one else could get them. How were we so prepared, you might ask? Were we the literal definition of real hot girl shit? I am currently in my last semester of graduate school working towards getting my master's degree in music composition in Austin, Texas, which is where I had been living in my apartment alone and single since August of 2019. Now though, thanks to the pandemic, I suppose, I'm living in my apartment with my boyfriend, which seems crazy (laughs) because it is, but honestly, if it made sense, then it likely didn't happen in 2020. So here we are, an actual real-life pandemic, a pandemic in the year of our Lord, 2020. You see, in November of 2019, back before the apocalypse, my cousin and I had both stumbled across the same horrifying podcast on NPR, describing a strange new coronavirus in Wuhan, back when we naively thought it was limited to China. As two highly anxious Black girls who keep our respective therapists well-paid and entertained, we began holding weekly phone calls where we updated each other on our latest finds from doom-scrolling the coronavirus. Like many students, in March of 2020, all students received an email from the university stating that the university president's wife had contracted COVID and one student had tested positive as well. Therefore, all classes for the foreseeable future were to be converted to 100% online instruction over spring break, which was extended from one week to two weeks in order to give the faculty and teachers time to reconfigure their courses, and all students were additionally required to either stay inside their off-campus apartments or go back home. So the second we caught a whiff of the fact that it might be spreading, we jumped into action. We were the original COVID hoarders. To any of you who couldn't get toilet paper, N95 masks, bottled water, batteries, peanut butter, I apologize. My cousin and I were singularly responsible. Anyway, all this to say we were meticulous about our grocery store shopping and in sync about the seriousness of this pandemic. Except for one thing. The budget. You see, my cousin is a boss-ass bitch. At 25, she bought her own five-bedroom house, lives with the love of her life, who she's been dating since Nam, and has too many degrees to count. She is a living, breathing example of black girl magic, but due to all of her amazing accomplishments, 
she is living out her mid-20s in a very different financial bracket than my post-grad, debt-ridden artist self. Don't worry, I get the moral high ground of living out my dreams, suffering for my art, and changing the world one song at a time. But somehow all those gigs I take for the experience don't magically translate into dollars when I find myself at the register with my cousin, who has a very different idea about how much is reasonable to spend on groceries. I was always good at being alone. If you lived in an overpriced one-bedroom apartment with thin walls, then you know what I went through. But I did try dating. To be fair, I had been trying dating for like three years at this point. But grad school wasn't as flush with like sexy people like being a freshman in undergrad was. Everyone was basically married. And some people even had children. It was pretty weird, but honestly, I was coming to terms with being an early 20-something version and, you know, potentially a mid and late 20-something virgin at the rate I was going. And I had some friends who helped me feel a little bit more normal about it. It's so easy for people who've had sex to say it's not a big deal, especially if they had it when they were teenagers. But it always feels like I'm in this bubble, you know, the unsexed bubble, the unsullied, if you will. So I was anxious as we walked to the register and I saw my cousin with an overflowing cart of kombucha, no soy soy sauce, cauliflower gnocchi, and jackfruit, which she claimed I wouldn't be able to differentiate from pulled chicken. Somehow I thought I would. So naturally I was anxious, both about how precariously the eggs were stacked in the cart and about how much this was going to add up to. I tried my best not to lose my shit. I took deep breaths and reminded myself of all the reasons I was grateful and even privileged to be in this situation right now. I mean, after all, my cousin had saved me from a fate worse than death, living at home. When COVID first hit and everything closed, I moved back in with my parents before I remembered two critical things. One, can't nobody tell their black parents nothing. My father, a medical professional, refused to give up daily trips to the post office, the grocery store, the florist to stretch his legs. My immunocompromised mother, who I spent weeks stalking the dark web to get an N95 mask for, refused to wear her N95 mask as it was hot and less comfortable than her fashionable cotton masks she'd ordered off of Amazon. As I came close to developing that disease when you get so anxious you tear your own hair out, I remembered the second most important fact about my family. I love, I love, I love my family. I cannot be home for more than four days at a time. Which is how I'd ended up being graciously taken in by my cousin. Now all of a sudden it just felt like I no longer had any autonomy or independence. So in an attempt to keep myself from completely feeling as though I had been time warped back into high school like some Disney Channel original movie from the early 2000s, I finished the spring semester online and I decided to redecorate my room for a change in scenery and download a dating app for the summer. I must say, the redecorating made it much easier to be intoxicated and messaging random guys on a dating app in what was technically my childhood bedroom. <laughs> I did not meet my current boyfriend on a dating app, however. So here's how the summer played out. 
I had been volunteering every weekend at a COVID testing center. I had tested negative and I ended up matching with this one guy who had also tested negative. I'll be honest, I was having a little bit too much fun with this app, okay? I had 15 other matches that I never had any intention of actually like giving the time of day. But this one boy I did end up actually going to see in June. As soon as I walked into his house though, man, I just wanted to leave. Long story short, he asked if I had a boyfriend. I said no. He asked if I wanted to hook up. I said no, I'm gonna go home. And so naturally he whipped out his dick. There's a lot of dunking on men in general from people, and it's mostly unjust, but it's still kind of true. I hear all the time, clearly sexuality isn't a choice because I'm attracted to men. Men are bothersome and aggravating. So that's what it means to be attracted to them, right? So I took a deep breath. I reminded myself that I could be pleasant and agreeable. I buried my anxiety and stress deep, 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 deep down, but in a healthy way, you know? Who needs Vicodin when you have a thriving martyr complex? I was proud of my ability to push my anxieties down and make a sacrifice to be more agreeable. I was impressed by my own acting skills, so I was shocked when my cousin and I got to the car and she turned to me and asked me if there was something I wanted to talk about. And while that might sound innocent and innocuous to you, trust me, those were fighting words. In August, one of my friends asked me if I wanted to go to a makeshift pride pool celebration with just a few people in a secluded house. There were six of us. I hadn't seen this friend in a while and I thought it would be nice to chill and go to a pride celebration, so I decided to go. I had my bikini on under my clothes, but I had fully intended to just say hello to everyone and then leave. I walked in, I see my friend and a few other people who seem nice, then I look around a corner and I see one black guy wearing a childish Gambino t-shirt. I get excited for a second, but then I pump the brakes. I'm thinking to myself, hold on. There are five white women and non-binary people here and one black guy. Dude has to be gay. I was relieved. I could stop trying to impress boys. You see, while my cousin and I had prepared for the worst when it came to avoiding the virus, we were still figuring out how to deal with other aspects of COVID like living so close to each other all the time. We are two very different personalities and somehow in our attempt to give each other space and be respectful, we'd stumbled into this new meta way of fighting, which I can only describe as two therapists popping off. I notice that everyone is at least four shots deep into this celebration, so I take off my shirt to just like match the vibe and walk over to do a tequila shot. My friend introduces us. This is Eli, they say to introduce me to him. Then they say, this is Matea, look at her boobs, (laughs) to introduce me, which honestly is my most exciting introduction to date. I decided since this was a pride celebration, it wouldn't be weird to ask if he was gay. I said, yeah, hey, I'm bi, are you? Eh, I just think people are people, he replied. It's a little later into the night now, and I honestly had fully expected to have left two hours ago, but at this point, in classic Sagittarius fashion, I'm in too deep and too intoxicated to drive home. Then Eli shouts, let's all play spin the bottle! (laughs) I'm convinced now that this guy is gay, but I sit my drunk ass down in the circle and we play spin the bottle. On his turn, he landed on me, and honestly, maybe I was just drunk, but it was an amazing kiss. I land on him when my turn comes around, and the kiss is equally amazing. 
I met someone who lived on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania, and I liked him enough that I suggested that I meet him on my way home to Pennsylvania from Michigan. He was still in school, so I went to his campus, and we met outside for a socially distant lunch date, and it was really sweet. He was funny, and we were both kind of nervous and awkward, but I kept telling myself that I was only nervous because first dates are hard. And so, with that simple, innocuous question, we began. I feel statements, which aren't really feelings, but thinly veiled accusations and judgments. Pulling up colorism, systemic racism, class differences, our hair privileges, all in an attempt to explain why we are right and the other is simply wrong. My cousin loves to muse on why I'm reacting the same way that I did as a child. Then she might follow that up with an, I'd like to push you on that. Which pushes me to say, what I'm hearing from you is, which might as well translate to, let me make sure I have this right, because snitch, I'm about to light you up. And then it ends in an inevitable, uncomfortable silence that follows those not-fight fights. It wasn't my first first date. I had gone on a couple before lockdown, and some were painfully awkward, and I almost never got a second date except for the one time I went out with a girl. That's what motivated me to take a break from dating boys. After I met the guy on my way home to Pennsylvania, I switched all my profiles to only girls. This was also about the time when election stuff was flooding the media, so I changed all my socials to be about people who looked like me. Fat, black, femmes. Which naturally led to a lot of sapphic stuff, and the content on Tumblr was truly just mwah, perfect. Chef kiss. Tumblr lesbians are the only reason why I heard about the Master Doc. That's capital T, capital M, the Master Doc. The Am I a Lesbian Master Doc. To be fair, I had asked the question before, many times, and I decided I wasn't a lesbian because that just seemed tacky. <laughs> of course, the girl with no consistent father figure would be a lesbian. I'm the young, fruity, artsy sibling. I'm the sheltered homeschooler who is afraid to drink underage and can't tolerate gluten. I'm the sexless introvert who won't go out an outing unless there's dinner involved. I don't want to be a lesbian because I'm already black, female-bodied, fat, mentally ill, and there's not much further down you could go on the food chain. And the only thing that was saving me was the fact that I could marry a guy one day. After the game, I'm standing in the kitchen, honestly trying to decide whether or not I need to vomit, and Eli walks over like, hey, we should do that again. I like this idea, but... Apparently, he had every intention of leaving the celebration early as well, but it was midnight now, we're both still here, too drunk to drive, and long story short, we wake up next to each other in the morning. I asked for his number that next day, we went to In-N-Out a few days later, and then a week after that, he asked me to be his girlfriend, and we've been dating since August. But that was it. There's a question in the Master Doc that goes something like, can you envision yourself living a happy and fulfilling life with a man? I was in bed when I read it, so I just closed my eyes and tried to picture it. Nothing. Just black. I tried picturing myself in one of those soft, 
romance movie situations like I'm making breakfast in the kitchen and smiling as my partner comes up behind me to give me a kiss and I pictured a man and I felt empty I pictured a woman and I felt warm it hit me like a bolt of lightning and as I sat in that silence I had the horrifying realization that I was wrong that there was something flawed in my desire to pride myself on how agreeable, flexible, and glow with the flow I was, because I didn't always want to be that way. There's nothing morally superior about automatically making yourself small instead of advocating for your right to be considered. Holy shit. What the fuck? Holy shit. Oh my fucking god, I'm a motherfucking goddamn lesbian! What the fucking shit? How do- What the fuck? Holy fuck, I'm a motherfucking lesbian. What the fuck? How the fucking fuck? Being in the arts, being in my family, being in the communities I've been a part of, I become used to being around large personalities who, due to power, insecurity, or tyranny, it was preferable to mask my own needs rather than be in conflict with them. But my cousin wasn't that person. I owed it to her and to myself to use my words, to advocate for myself. And so I did. Learning how to love and appreciate my own preferences, needs, and quirks, how to accept myself even when I'm disagreeable, was one of the most important things I learned in quarantine. Well, either that or the jackfruit does not taste like chicken. I realized later that I had seen this guy once before at a Black Lives Matter protest. We're both from the same predominantly white area in California, and we share the experience of being the only black person almost everywhere we go until now. So, yeah, honestly, it's been amazing. I've grown a lot and learned a lot about myself in 2020 as a whole, but also in this relationship. So, yeah, turns out he's not gay, and now we're living in Austin, Texas. I'm excited to see where this adventure goes. I was relieved. I could stop trying to impress boys. I could liberate myself of the obligation to care about what was going on with boys. I don't have to like them. I don't have to like boys because I like girls. Amazing. I met myself for the first time that night. I closed the loop on this long, arduous chapter that is my sexuality. I spent my entire summer trying to bridge this gap between me and boys, not realizing that the space was meant to be there. I am, and always have been, for women. Black Hearts, Black Voices is a production of Fifth Wall Performing Arts. Special thanks to the University of Michigan's Excel Lab and all of our donors. If you liked the show, please follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Fifth Wall Performing Arts. For more information, check out our website at fifthwallperformingarts.com. This show will also be available on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts as part of the launch of Fifth Wall Performing Arts podcast series. 
Join us at 3.30 Eastern Time for the After Show Talkback on Zoom with the storytellers and creators of this year's production of Black Hearts, Black Voices through the link in your emails or through the link posted in YouTube's live chat. Thanks for listening.